Welcome to the Joyfulness broadcast. Today I have with me the wonderful Rajiv and I'm thinking of how to introduce Rajiv and to me Rajiv is someone with a lot of wisdom who I look up to um, and like to talk to to get things to start seeing things differently. Uh, He has a lot of insight and a wonderful story and Rajiv, I think maybe if you just start <laughs> with your past, like you said, <laughs> maybe what led you up to where you are now? Namaste, Nick. Thank you for that wonderful introduction. So today we will uh, talk a bit about the immensity of being. Hmm. And uh, I will talk about my first experience of when I encountered this immensity. And also just letting your listeners know that I do speak very slowly and at times there will be some stillness and silence between my words. And that is intentional. That is for you to connect to yourself connect to your own stillness and silence within. So I started uh, seeking quite early in my life, around 1995. So I think I was 17 or 18 at that time. And for the next six or seven years, I delved into various uh, spiritual modalities, healing, Kundalini, et cetera, et cetera. And all that slowly led to this awakening experience, which happened in 2005. So that was the first time when I actually experienced this immensity. And I had read about this non-dual state in Nisargadatta's work and Raman Maharishi and Jay Krishnamurti's work. But reading and experiencing are completely two different things. So I was uh, in the Himalayas at that time. I had gone to a small Himalayan town uh, for a three to four day silent retreat all by myself, not um, in an ashram or in an organization. And that town had a beautiful lake. And I was walking, one of the days I was walking down the lake, just trying to witness this consciousness, trying trying to be aware of this consciousness. And suddenly this consciousness just started expanding. So normally we feel this consciousness is restricted to this body and mind. But that started slowly becoming wider and expanding. And within minutes, it enveloped the entire mountainside, the lake, the trees, everything, and it kept expanding. And I was completely stunned by it. It was, it just came on without any warning, without any preparation. And then it started expanding till it covered the entire sky, the sun, everything which was perceivable was enveloped by this 
shining conscious awareness. And at that moment, I was everywhere. I was the bird which was flying up in the sky. I was the pine trees which were swaying. I was all those people who were boating on the lake. Everything contained me, it was me, but not as me, Rajiv, as a person, but as this pure consciousness. Every point reflected me. Every point was me, myself. Nothing was separate from me. And this was one of the most incredible experiences that had happened to me in my seeking till then. And that experience was not for a few seconds. It lasted for quite a while. And so if I was walking, I was walking through myself <laughs> because I was everywhere. I could see this body mind. I could see this identity there. Rajiv, the body is walking. And simultaneously, I was that which contained all of this together. And obviously, after, I think it was two hours or something, the experience started fading. And by next day, it was gone. But that completely shifted my perception about reality. And at that time, I could relate to what J. Krishnamurti or Ramana or Nisargadat had talked about, about that state where they are one with everything, where there's no separation. And then later on in my journey, I did um, encounter this at various points in a, in a different deeper levels. But that was also interwoven with a lot of suffering and darkness. So you can ask me if you have any questions. <laughs> wow. Cool. So, wow. <laughs> That's a cool. It's actually the first time I've heard, heard that. I think it was on your website, but I don't really look at websites. <laughs> uh, <laughs> It was very, was there a question about love? Was it a very, was there like a loving melting quality to it, to that first experience you had? The first experience was more luminous and conscious awareness. Mm. The loving quality came later on okay. for me. But in that initial experience, there was just this incredible expansion, space-like quality, um, which was conscious at all points. Still not me, not personal. It, it cannot be personal because I can't be the pines and the birds and the people. It's not Rajiv, it's this impersonal consciousness. Later on, one of these qualities which I do talk quite a few times about consciousness is love, this unconditional love, 
Um, and that quality I did experience later in my, as I said, I had a lot of this experiences moving forward. So their joy, bliss, love came in. Mm. Beautiful. Well, just to make sure we don't lose any listeners, <laughs> because this might be quite a, a foreign thing for someone who hasn't experienced it, maybe even never read about it. Um, so you said, maybe I think you said something about reality. It totally shifted the way you saw reality. So I guess in our lives, we, until we have an experience that tells us otherwise, we just kind of assume that we're like this body mind as you referred to. And so what you're saying is this experience, it was an experience, not words or concepts, but this experience kind of gave you a new data point that showed you, oh, wait, <laughs> um, maybe I'm more immense. <laughs> you talk about the immensity, greater immensity to um, what I am than this body and mind. Would that be an accurate? Yes. Point? Yeah. Yes. And uh, in fact, much more than that, it brought me face to face with the very substance of her being. And if I know you follow quantum mechanics, so in that day, many of the recent thinkers have been talking about the proto-consciousness field, something which is inherent in nature itself. Mm. And I could perceive that, I could experience that, that, um, this reality or this universe has its root in something fundamentally more subtle, uh, more amazing, more incredible than I could ever imagine. And it is not separate from me. It is not different from me. So that was the whole realization with this experience. Plus what you mentioned, obviously, that I'm not only this body mind, but this consciousness. Mm. So it had to do with the core of, the core of everything. <laughs> yes, the core of everything. And different teachers, different religions have talked about it in their own ways. Some call it God, some call it consciousness, some call it something else, the power, whatever. Um, but they are talking in different ways about this fundamental principle, this fundamental reality. And when I say consciousness and all this, we are using words to describe that. Uh, in a way, you can't describe it. You just point out to it. Mm. Okay, so let's say a listener just heard this and for some reason they're interested. <laughs> um, and they're not, don't think it's cuckoo crazy. So what... What, what did it take for you to, because for you, it wasn't just sudden, it was a buildup of many, of a lot of practice, right? Mm. That, that experience. So how did this unfold for you? Did you, you mentioned you first read a book and you got interested about, um, about it. Was it Ramana or the other one of the other ones? <laughs> and then, yeah. So it's, it started, as I said, I started seeking quite early in life. And 
as I progressed deeper, so I started with new age philosophy and other stuff, healing, etc. And then, then I started going deeper. And uh, as I started going deeper, uh, the quality of my meditation, the quality of my inquiry, contemplation, contemplation started shifting more from these external different practices to becoming aware of this consciousness. What I understood during that shift before this awakening was, was that no matter what practice I do, no matter where I am, no matter what I'm doing, this consciousness is constant. And I can only experience something through this consciousness of mine. If, if, even if I experience God, this consciousness has to be there first to experience God or anything else. And so I started investigating and going deeper into this consciousness itself. And doing that over a long period of time, which then cul uh, culminated in my first awakening experience in 2005. That sounds, from what you, I can only base this on my own experiences. Um, recently, there was, you know, I was just sitting in the backyard and there was like, a, you know, like maybe I should go walk to the park. And then there was like, well, it just doesn't really matter. <laughs> it doesn't, because then, you know, I'll be the one that's at the park and I'm the one here. And like, there's that, the same sense of being is, here and there so what does it really matter if i go to the park or stay here at least i don't have to exert as much energy if i just stay here is that <laughs> is that that's the sense of i the the consciousness is that kind of what you're talking about the substrate out of which experience arises yes in a way yeah that consciousness it's like space, it's everywhere. So you don't need to go to a particular place to access it. If you are in your own beingness or in that sense of presence, you carry it everywhere and anywhere. And as you said, if you are in your backyard or you are at the peak, the consciousness is always there. Mm -hmm. It's the mind which is restless and takes you all these places. The sense of presence is just presence. It doesn't uh, want anything. It doesn't desire. It is just there at the back of the mind, registering whatever is happening and giving it reality. Mm. So what blocks this awareness? You mentioned the restless mind. I mean, if it is what we are, if it is the presence, then why, why can't everyone just uh, be in the immensity right now? So what is it? in your eyes that blocks the awareness of what we really are? It is the mind which is addicted to all these experiences and its conditionings and desires and fears. Um, though it, it might seem the mind is so small compared to this immensity and how does it block it? The sim simple stimuli which I give again and again, it's like, you know, you have a small, a small piece of coin. And if you take it in your hand and just put it near your eye, it can block out the sun. 
even though the sun is so huge and big, you just block it out with a small coin. Something similar to what happens with this mind blocking this immensity out. So till it is interested in its own affairs, the eye is interested in gaining security, fulfilling its desire, chasing pleasures. It does not have the capacity to turn inwards, to cultivate that stillness and silence, which is a prerequisite to dive into this immensity. Mm, so when the stillness and silence is, when everything that blocks the stillness and silence is out of the way, then it just floods in. Yes, then there is a potential for this to arise. Yeah. Right. And so that's the, the pathway of meditation, right? Is to, is that, that was its role. It took like for you, uh, I mean, t decades to, to, to silence, to silence the mind sufficiently so that the presence would be revealed. Is that accurate? Yes. So that's one part of it. The second part is becoming aware of this consciousness, which is quite crucial. So the mind and the I, the ego, they arise from this consciousness, from this conscious presence. And becoming aware of this consciousness, understanding how it comes into being and how the mind and the eye forms on top of it is very important. And all this contemplation and inquiry can only happen when there is certain level of stillness and grounding. So that is a prerequisite kind of to become aware, to go deeper, to contemplate, and then it unfolds. What about, so just an interest, contemplation, um, like meditation, because my understanding is there's meditation and then there's contemplation. How, how would you put it in your own words, what contemplation is and differentiating it from thinking because i've just i know that in like now society there's there's a like a view of it as being you think about things is that what contemplating is or is it something else it, it's more deeper so in contemplation you are inquiring and absorbing and looking at different truths and insights so say you pick up a teacher say Nisargatata or any teacher and say they have a truth like Buddha they would say um, desire is the root cause of all suffering and then you take this statement and you contemplate meaning you're trying to understand it go deeper apply it in your daily life live it absorb it that is what I mean by contemplation mm. Right, so you're trying to understand it through your own experiences rather than conceptually. Is that correct? Yes. Through your own experiences, you are actually unpacking it. What does it mean? What, what does the person mean by desire is the root of all suffering? What does desire mean? What does suffering mean? What are my desires blocking me? 
can I give them up? You know, this whole inquiry, contemplation into this. Um, so it's completely absorbing it and going deeper. It's not only thinking, it becomes an experience later on. And ultimately it has to translate in your life somewhere. Hmm. Right, okay, so it is, there's that distinction, but you said it's not only thinking. So there is thinking involved, is that what you're saying also? Yeah, obviously you think. <laughs> until you till you reach a place of silence thinking is one of the tools you use to investigate further all these truths or all these different teachings hmm. so do you just to unpack contemplation do you think about would you is there a distinction between trying to figure it out and then just holding the point of contemplation in mind and letting it unfold through your own life. Yeah, that's the whole point. Right. <laughs> okay, so that's contemplation. Is when when we hold it in mind, and we're not. So we're not trying to figure it out, right? We're, we're trying. Initially, yes. Initially, there is so there are stages to it. Initially, okay. you try to figure it out. You try to watch it from all places. You're unpacking. You're rationalizing. Um, you're living it. And slowly in that entire process, there's a transformation, there is an unfolding, there's an insight which would suddenly come up and say, oh, I get it. Or there would be an experience, you would say, wow, I got it. This is what the person is saying. This is what the teacher was pointing at. Now I experienced it, now I understood it. Right, cool. Okay, hopefully that will, well, that clears up some stuff for me also. The stage is part of it instead of moving because sometimes i feel like you know the thoughts are just kind of like an additional layer and there's there's always the prevailing silence beneath it and so would it be possible to just contemplate with the silence without any thoughts i've been wondering that recently and so you're saying that's like that is possible it just comes it naturally progresses after you start to think about it, stuff and have experiences mm. Right. Cool. <laughs> so, okay, now we can go back to immensity. <laughs> I want to talk about <laughs> the immensity, just so, so so that we can have some sort of anchor there. Hmm. So after that first experience, um, what happened? Did it did it totally reorient your life? Did you see? I'm just curious. Was it like, wow, this is amazing. I'm on the right path, or was it more like? Oh, why is it gone? <laughs> it was the second thing. Why is it gone? <laughs> <laughs> and that, as I said, it was interspaced with a lot of darkness. And that again started a big, huge cycle of suffering for me for the next, so 2005, another 14 years. <laughs> um, so, so what happened during, so it took a long time for me to integrate all these insights. Um, and deepening it and then finally transcending them. So that was in the later part of my journey. Uh, but what happens once you have encountered something very incredible, something extraordinary, that the ego or the memory wants it to become permanent. So say you lived a night or a, a day in heaven and then suddenly you're thrown 
back to a place which is horrible, you know, <laughs> with the body and the mind and all the sufferings and problems. And so your mind always says, wow, that was an amazing place. It was incredible. I want to be there all the time. In a way, that drives us to meditate, that drives us to seek, that drives us to go deeper, which is the positive aspect of the search. Uh, but when it becomes obsessive and you just are looking at that, it can cause great suffering to seekers. Because at the end, it becomes a desire, nothing more than that, and that becomes an obstacle. And it took me quite some years to understand that. Right. And, yeah. And so, but during this space, I also went through a lot of bliss states. So mm -hmm. I had, I used to have this incredible states of bliss, uh, which used to be for hours in my body, mind. Sometimes it used to be so intense that my body couldn't take it anymore. <laughs> <laughs> so it's a pendulum. Pendulum for you was a pendulum. Yeah. So would you say that that suffering that that was really to do with it was to do with the desire like like you were like um with not having it and and seeing I'm just wondering if it has to do with so if it, say you have an experience and then you have it but you if you see it differently then it might be that that suffering doesn't come up. For example, if you saw it as, oh, wow, that is what's ahead. <laughs> I'm on the right path. Um, and then just use that as a motivation without, without with separating it from the desire to be in heaven <laughs> but just kind of with the humility that all things will happen when they happen do you think that would like uh trans transcend the suffering i know it's a hypothetical so it's hard to answer yeah probably why not so as it said this thing obviously puts the seeker on the path to seeking and at one part they know it's the path and they're working hard at it the other part, the mind, wants it. And that is not only with me, I've seen with so many of the seekers who have come in contact with me. And they have suffered for quite some years wanting to make it permanent because this nature, once you've tasted this bliss, nothing else matters. It's like taking the most profound drug and <laughs> think of and getting addicted to it um, but mm -hmm. the seeker or anyone on the path has to understand what is the practice the goal of the practice is to observe waters to accept waters mm. so coming to that point again and again is very important on the path that kind of disconnects you or takes, um, takes you away from this desire of wanting and needing and um, becoming something else than what you are at this present moment. Mm -hmm. 
yeah so bringing it back away from these <laughs> experiences into our present reality that everyone can relate to is just kind of being surrendering to what is and letting everything be as it will be is that mm. what it's coming down to at the end and i mean we can all apply that in all our lives if, if, if we're not blissed out like you were or or just being with like you know annoying workplace just surrendering to what is and letting it letting it be um yeah it's just that i i, I just kind of feel blessed and i just want to unpack this a little bit because uh to to me i had similar things <laughs> that um and then what happened afterwards was, uh, I don't know, um, just a natural surrender to, okay, well, then that will be when it will be. <laughs> and mm. what is now is what is now. And that's all. And then mm. kind of, I think that's for me where a lot of laughter comes from is because for me, I took that as, like you said, it re recontextualizes reality. So now that's reality. And so this is a dream. Oh, okay. So everything's funny. <laughs> everything's <laughs> <pretty> funny. <laughs> um, and then I think, well, for me, it seems like, I mean, I don't know yet. Right. Cause I, <laughs> I'm not at the place where you are, but for me, it seems like it's kind of possible to just laugh your way to it, giggle your way there instead of just suffering. Cause I know there's like with Rumi quotes and it talks about the dark night of the soul, but it just really hasn't been something that's part of me. So I'm just wondering what, do you think it's possible to just giggle your way into it? <laughs> Why not? I think that's a better way. <laughs> Instead of crying and wailing and, you know, it's good to laugh and go. And uh, so everyone's path is very different. You see Ramana, he didn't go through this darkness and he didn't go through any practice. It just happened to him. Mm. Nisargadat spent a lot of time practicing. Um, so all, all this reality manifests itself differently in different people. So it's not essential that you will go through the dark night or you will have a particular set pattern of awakening which others have experienced. Your would be unique like a flower, you know, blooming in its own way. Mm. Yeah, and so what I've picked up from, from this is it's really the way I see it is to do with... Uh, your your own commitment is what has brought you here um right it's it's so your commitment was expressed as like a dedication to a particular path meditation and contemplation but that that was just the expression of the commitment so it's the commitment of the seeker or the human <laughs> their own commitment to discovering the truth that will set them free or lead them there not nothing to do with any externalities is that is that right what does what do you mean by externalities good question that a big bit oh sorry okay maybe so it's in the rather than externalities it's um it's in the hands of the 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 person at, at any moment they can uh, cultivate the commitment and and it's that commitment that leads them to this experience 
So it's a, it, they, they, the people listening, if they want to experience this for themselves, they can, I guess, or can say increase the likelihood of it occurring by, by their own commitment to the yeah. truth. Yeah. Okay. Yes. So practice yeah. commitment, as you said, is required and commitment um, commitment has to come in form of practice here what i have seen with seekers and people walking the path is they read a lot and don't do enough practice mm -hmm. so they will know on certain level okay this is what it is practice compassion or practice this and when they look at their life it's full of conflict <laughs> uh, it's full of suffering it's full of pain it's it's full of anger and all these things and so though they're committed they are still not putting the principles in their everyday life so practice is more important here than reading or doing anything else and the reason i say this is i did uh spend a lot of my time reading i read a lot and i traveled a lot meeting all these people and being in different ashrams and himalayas and all and now i see that part of it though it was commitment but it was restlessness the mind was addicted to activities it could not sit still for a longer period of time so it engaged in all these different things mm. Is, is reading a lot of things, is that, it sounds to me like a curiosity and like that, that, that stuff, like it's a curiosity and going through the intellect versus the commitment of really cult becoming, being, being the teaching versus hearing about it. Hmm. In the, in the beginning reading, see everything in the beginning is great. Seeking is great. Reading is great. They only become an obstacle once they become addictive or you're relying it all the time on it instead of practicing. So they have their place. But ultimately, you will have to close the book because see, what is a book? A book is someone else's experience. It is not your experience. The book is pointing back to your consciousness. It is someone else's teaching. It is someone else's thought. It is someone else's life. It is not yours. Though it is pointing back to you. So one day you will have to close the book and let it on the side. And say, okay, today I am going to delve back into my own consciousness, into my own layers of this I and desires and fears and motivations and expectations and the prison that I have built around me. Because that is the only way to dismantle it. So initially the book is good because it points, or tells you what to do. Like, you know, watching a video and exercise. <laughs> or fitness, you can keep watching it without exercising. <laughs> What's the point of it? <laughs> One day you'll have to stop the video and say, okay, I'm going to pick up my weights or whatever and go for a jog. <laughs> hmm. and, by, and by practice, you don't just mean meditation, do you? you mean being with, so being with consciousness is something that we can do 
or being with what is and surrendering our desire to make things differently is something we can constantly be. Mm. It, that's also a practice, right? Yeah, that's, that's how it should be. Eventually, it has to translate in your everyday activities. Mm. We will be living our lives. We will be earning. We'll be having partners and children and neighbors and everything around us. And it is amidst this life that we need to translate these teachings. How long are you going to sit all alone in a room? Are you asking me? (laughs) 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 There will be a time when you will have to get up. There is life. Life is action. You cannot Mm. run away from action. So obviously this has to translate in your everyday life. Right. So that's the practice, right? Translating, becoming it, being it, not just hearing about it. Yes, that is practice. So... Sitting at one place quietly helps you to translate that in your everyday action. Mm. Or it builds up that capacity in you to observe things, not to get carried away, just to be when you're engaging in different actions in your life. Mm. Yeah, I'm just asking you all the time. <laughs> I just want to clarify, because from for myself, meditation is only something recently that's kind of come up before that it was very spontaneous and it just kind of started transforming through my life it started it started changing very very rapidly <laughs> and it was like you you uh it was very automatic and very spontaneous and things would automatically change in my life not just uh sitting down um so it was like a very life integrated thing and only recently meditation has kind of come up as as a new point of growth something new to to master um but i just wanted to share that just so because there is this like um thing that meditation is like is the path i just wanted to see your own view on it and see that if there is this you do see that it's like there's lots of different ways and meditation is just one helpful thing Yes, so there are so many uh, different meditative techniques as well, right? Mm. You can do this meditation, mindfulness, there's mantra, there's chanting, there's X, there's Y, there's hundreds. Go on YouTube, you might get a million <laughs> videos on million techniques of meditation. But I want to ask a single, simple question here. Though there are so many techniques of meditation, who is the meditator here? I'm more interested in the meditator. The meditator is singular. The meditator is one. So if you are meditating, then the meditator is Nick, singular, me, I'm meditating. The millions of meditative practices. Meditator is one. So can I understand this meditator itself? Mm-hmm. What is the quality of this meditator? How does it come into being? When does it begin and when does it end? And even asking the simple question can bring your focus back into this consciousness itself. 
instead of getting lost into so many of practices. Right. So that's the returning back to the to the, the substrate. Yes, returning back to this consciousness. You cannot escape it. Especially if you're talking to me, I won't let you escape. <laughs> because ultimately, the path lies through you to you. Um, there's, there's no other way to enter into this except through understanding this consciousness and this I. Mm. And whatever you do at the end is to please this I, to understand this I. So why, why not we dive into it directly then, you know? going through this round about ways of different techniques and parts. Okay, so, since I wanted to finish up soon, for the last uh, last little segment, I like to like five share whatever the most uh, helpful thing you can to the listeners, whatever pops up. But you just mentioned the direct delving into I, and I think that's a great way to finish. <laughs> so how... Would there be any instructions, any words you would offer to the listener to help delve into that eye right now <laughs> or after watching, listening to this podcast? So the pointer which I can give to the listener is right now as they're listening to these words, there is something inside of them which comprehends these words, which knows that they're sitting and listening, that they're alive, that they exist. What or how do they know that they exist? How do they know that they are here and now in time? So we're not looking at saying, okay, it is me, Nick, who knows that, or this body knows that, or this mind knows that. It is not a verbal answer. It is inquiring and going deeper, trying to uncover how or what this consciousness is, because it is through this consciousness that you are comprehending this words, that you know that you exist. So going deeper into it, understanding it, asking questions, contemplating it, that is the direct part to awakening. So uh, this can be a little uh, subtle or even very abstract to catch hold of. But once you get a taste of this consciousness or this sense of presence, you will understand that all the meditative practices, all the teachings of different traditions and master point back to this itself and nothing else. Will that help your business? Yeah, I think that would help me. <laughs> so I think so. Yeah. Well, I like um, the way you mentioned the most direct path rather than out of what is it all arising. 
the reason it's the direct path is it's dealing dealing with consciousness itself so i'll give you another example quick example hmm. how will i practice say mindfulness meditation i will use this consciousness to practice it right without consciousness i cannot practice any meditation it can be say chanting i need this consciousness to chant so instead of doing all this different meditation using consciousness as a tool why don't i dive into this consciousness directly it is my own it is just available all the time so the reason uh, the reason we call it the direct path is because it is dealing directly with consciousness instead of doing all these different activities mm and the just to diff- the diving in you're referring to just really being with it versus talking about it because i just think we're so used to diving in being like okay let's unpack this let's figure it out so it's more it's more like being with it hmm. and bef- yeah. kind of would befriending it befriending that presence and learning about it like as it is instead of as it that is as it is said or as it is thought yes you put it very beautifully befriending it being interested in it loving it knowing more about it not knowing more about your mind addictions and desires and fears and addictions and all those things and how i'm going to you know find the next moment more pleasurable than this moment but actually being interested in this conscious presence the act of just being mm so just just being with it and not and ignoring ignoring so it just to it exists as an option to ignore all the thoughts right <laughs> just asking you so it, you know because when when we try to just be with it naturally all that opposes us just being with it is going to arise and you know i know it's been frustrating for me sometimes <laughs> when the chitter chatter arises and so is, is that when we would just ignore no don't ignore don't ignore so so what we are going to do here say you're sitting down and you have okay. all these things coming up they are not apart from this conscious presence ignoring or doing anything creates a conflict you say i don't want it or they're not important you know there is some kind of cognition there subconscious cognition that says they are either not good or not relevant or whatever we don't want to do that we have to understand on a very deep level this whatever is arising at this moment is part of this conscious presence it's not apart from it but i am this conscious presence and i observe and watch whatever is arising and i'm okay with it it's okay to be there right so if you can sit with that kind of an understanding it will be easier for all these thoughts to arise and then just to disappear oh so befriend the thoughts also uh oh no <laughs> i just say befriend in a way uh 
you are watching them with affectionate detachment, probably, or you're just seeing them as part of this conscious presence. So you are this conscious presence. Let's imagine this conscious presence as sky. So, and the clouds as all these different mental things which appear in it. Now, when you are the sky, you have all these small clouds floating here and there, and you're all right with it. There's no problem. They arise from you and they are going to dissolve in you. They're a small fragment which is floating there in that conscious presence. But you are the sky, the totality in which all these things arise or dissolve. When you can even conceptually understand this, it brings a lot of peace and a lot of grounding. Mm. Okay. What I got from that is just be <laughs> and let go trying to do anything <laughs> and just be happy with everything. That's my lesson. <laughs> oh. cool. Well, we're, we're running out of batteries and it's coming out to the end of the, uh, the podcast. So very convenient little timer. Rajiv, thank you so much. That was very, it was what it was. <laughs> uh, More definitions. Yeah, I'll probably give this a listen afterwards and be like, whoa. <laughs> so thank you so much for taking the time to speak and share. Thank you, Nick. Thank you for your time. And listeners, if you, uh, right, if you want to be, stay up to date with the podcast, you can follow Joyfulness Broadcast on any podcasting platform apple spotify spotify just releases it faster and on facebook joyfulness broadcast that's the page uh where i update with the most recent video so you're welcome to follow that page i hope you enjoyed it thank you very much stay joyful